You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg podcast. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. Slavery was an institution that robbed African Americans of the civil rights that white colonists enjoyed, and marriage was among them. But that didn't mean that enslaved communities gave up on marriage, and training specialist Rose McAfee is here with us today to talk to us about the jumping the broom ceremony. Rose, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit about the background of jumping the broom and how this ceremony came to be in place for a a community of people who weren't able to enjoy this legal right of marriage. Well, there are many ways um, that people would seek out a non-legal form of marriage, not just enslaved people, but sometimes people uh, who are poorer. Um, Sometimes they would do um, alternate types of of ceremonies. Uh, Jumping the broom was one not only done, we can trace back to uh, similar ceremonies in West Africa, where they would place brush over the door and as a way to um, keep out spirits and also the, the broom would sweep away bad spirits and evil spirits so that it was thought that placing the broom over the doorstep and jumping over it would, you know, give you would give you luck, keep out the bad spirits and and the like. But again, not just in Africa. When I was doing research for this particular um, program, I found out that 19th century uh, Scottish workers jumped the broom. Um, sometimes people were being married just between the handles of two plows. They were right in the field, and the master would say, "That's your husband. That's your wife. Now you're married," and that was it. But jumping the broom seemed to be one that seemed to take take off as, uh, as, and become a, a regular type of uh, wedding ceremony, particularly for enslaved African-Americans. And we find most of the documentation in the 19th century, um, but we don't feel like they jumped up in 1800 and said, let's start jumping the broom. You know, it, it does have some background. And so that's what my research has found. So this would be a tradition that they carried with them from West African culture? In some, some parts of it are West African, but then it could have been influenced Say, for instance, if they were owned by a Scottish worker, but we know specifically in West Africa, the broom has very important significance of sweeping away evil spirits and the like. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the program that you had developed. Tell us a little bit more about that program. Yes. The the man and wife that you've chosen to to put in this program, are Mm -hmm. they based on historical characters? Are they composites? The names are pulled from the list of names from um, Nathaniel Burroughs' inventory. Uh, We were wonderfully, you know, blessed with his day book, his, his, uh, you know, journal, uh, letters and the like. And so we were able to pull the names of individuals. Whether those two individuals actually jumped the broom, I cannot say. But they were enslaved people who lived on uh, Nathaniel Burroughs' property in 1775. When you created the characters for the two people to be married, what characteristics did you want to make sure that you brought out, what you brought to those characters? Well, I wanted them to, um, to of course, have integrity uh, and dignity, even in the face of, of an institution like slavery, in which their choices were limited. And so they had to make the best of, of what choices they had. Um, I also wanted to bring out the fact that even though the marriages were not recognized by law, because family was so important in West Africa, that tradition of family was carried over and was an important survival technique for those men and women who were brought here under the institution of slavery and born here uh, when their parents were enslaved or their mother was enslaved. As here after 1662 in Virginia, the condition is passed from the mother to the child. And so I wanted to bring that out as well. I also wanted to bring out the importance of community um, in in a situation where um, 
uh, societal uh, forces sometimes, you know, might split families, then the community then would be, uh, there's a line in the play that says, we, all of us in the community, we may not be, uh, we're not just lookers on. We may not all be family, but we are all kin. And we have to look out for Esther and Manuel and the children that they're going to have. So again, that importance of, of community also was something that we wanted to emphasize. How does the ceremony go? Is there somebody who officiates like a pastor would today? Yes. In fact, we had the, an elder in the slave community, Bristol, who actually performs the jumping of the broom ceremony. And he says some words over them, uh, makes his admonition to the community. Uh, and he talks about the importance of children as a way to uh, make sure that you're remembered as a tradition of West Africa. Of children is a way to, to keep your name alive. So he does that ceremony. And um, then Esther and Manuel, the, the bride and groom, they ex exchange vows, if you will, not traditional vows like we would think of today, but they exchange words and a gift. Um, again, not a ring, because that's more of a symbol of a formal marriage, uh, but uh, just a, a token of their love and appreciation for one another as part of the ceremony. And jumping the broom, the ceremonies could be anything anyone wants them to be. There's no written down way that says you have to do A, B, C, D. Um, I've seen um, the ceremony performed when, in which there were two brooms, one in front of the bride and one in front of the groom, and they jumped to the middle. Uh, then I saw, of course, where they were both standing on one side and they jumped over together. I've also heard that if you jump backwards, you could get divorced. So I mean, so again, it was it was as varied and as you know as interesting as the as the, the people made it. So we have a wonderful, rich ceremony that has a, involves the whole community and yes. is full of meaning. Yes. But it's not legally recognized. Correct. So what does that mean for an enslaved couple that are in a marriage that's not recognized by English law, by right. American law? What do they lose? <laughs> well, they just lose the ability of choice uh, because the choices now belong to their masters, particularly if they belong to two different masters and might possibly be living on separate plantations. Even the ability or amount of time they are allowed to visit with one another could be regulated by the master. Now, of course, you know, uh, enslaved people also, they, they practice agency and they did things that made things better for themselves, either by maybe doing some extra errands for the master and then saying, you know, I'd like to go visit my wife this weekend or something of that nature. Uh, and, and if they're owned by the same master, it's a little easier. Uh, but in the case of Esther and Manuel, Esther worked in the house, Manuel worked in the fields. So even own, being owned by the same master is not a guarantee that they'll be able to live together as husband and wife. So that's probably the main challenge is that they might not have the opportunity to live together in one place continually and the choices would be made by, by their masters. Of course, you see men running away, you see women running away. You know, to, to, in fact, that's most often when folks are running in the 18th century, they're running to family members. Um, but uh, but the, the, the disadvantage of not having a legal marriage is that the master could separate that family at any time. What if they had children? The children would be property of the master, of the mother's master, because of that 1662 law in Virginia, the condition of the mother's automatically passed to the child. Even if the father was free, the mother, the children would still be enslaved if the mother's enslaved. Now, if the mother was free, then the children would be free. But of course, there were fines against marrying enslaved individuals, free folks, you know, marrying back and forth. And so, but again, you have the instance of Matthew Ashby and his wife in which he marries her and then, then uh, 
purchases her freedom, uh, purchases her and then sets her free rather, uh, with permission of the council. And so um, it's it's very, um, very it's varied in, in the, the, the interactions that folks could have and always dependent, most often dependent on the master. Now is separation a big problem? If, if your children are the property of someone else, it's yeah. your master's prerogative to, to sell them or? Correct. He could sell them, he could gift them. It was not unusual that, say for instance, if the master has an older daughter who's becoming married, then the master might gift her a personal body servant of a young teenage girl, possibly someone she's grown up with. You know, and so there were, there were interactions, uh, master-slave relationships that went beyond just that. Some, some of them were indeed friendships, but always with that, um, with that uh, reality that, this, that the other person has complete control over life, death, you know, marriage, or anything of that. Nature. Do you know how long it is until African Americans are able to have legal marriages that are recognized by the state? Now, free black marriages were recognized. If a free black married another free black, that's just like a wedding of any, any freed person. So, freed blacks could marry enslaved people, not until after the uh, Civil War. We don't want to gloss over, of course, the, the really horrible parts of slavery. Absolutely. But I wonder if a program like this doesn't allow us to say something about the resilience right. and the hopefulness of a community, even though they're oppressed. Absolutely, because um, again, you know, Parts of the program do deal with some of those very uh, sensitive and very difficult topics that would be um, paramount in any enslaved person's life, particularly when they're thinking of jumping the broom. Um, but again, as, as we end on a hopeful note, that's exactly what, what we want to show, that resilience, that agency, that self-determination that, that those enslaved individuals were holding on to in spite of the condition that they found themselves in. Is there any remnant of that historical ceremony that's carried through in today's culture? Absolutely. In fact, my daughter just got married in September, and I performed a jumping broom ceremony for them. <laughs> so many people, not only African Americans, are putting jumping the broom as, as either part of their traditional wedding ceremony. I also did a ceremony for a very, very uh, good family friends of mine who got married about five years ago. They had theirs at the reception. So again, there's no hard and fast rule of, of where you can do it, how you can do it, uh, you know. But yes, people are kind of reviving that tradition and there are actually how-to books there are little you know modern books on you know jumping the broom you know wrapping the broom and all you don't have to do all of that you know but but there are some modern references so people are beginning to bring that back into you know um, to their ceremonies as a and in my daughter's in the case of my daughter's wedding as a way to recognize and honor those who had gone before us Rose thank you so much for being here with us today you're welcome to support the podcast and Colonial Williamsburg programs, visit history.org slash donate. We love hearing from you. Visit history.org slash podcasts and click comment at the top of the page to drop us a line.